You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining me on this Monday at 7 p.m. You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast. Again, I'm your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth Kenyon, and we are on every Monday at 7 p.m. I'm so glad to see you all because, you know, as we go from week to week, there are times when trials and tribulations, things that we did not expect, they present themselves. And it's us to uh, it's up to us to remind ourselves that all things are possible. It is up to us to remind ourselves that we do indeed agree with God. We do indeed believe God. Believe God. Because guess what? Just because we're moving into the promises of God, that does not mean, nor will we be able to provide God an excuse for the hard times and our belief failing or our agreement failing. That is not permitted to happen where we're going. We are supposed to be secure in the foundation that he has raised us up in to know that we can agree quickly with him because we understand that all things are possible. We believe that all things are possible. So we agree with him. We agree with him. You know, this is the first Monday in May the very first Monday. And we must recognize that um, on today, um, that May being the fifth month, I want to just, just remind you that this is uh, five represents grace. It represents God's kindness. It represents his favor towards humankind. So let's not forget that as we go throughout this month that God has promised, as he always has, the specifically the God's grace, his kindness, and his favor to humankind. We have his grace, we have his kindness, and we have his favor. That's how we know that all things are possible. That's how we quickly agree with him because we understand we have his grace, we have his kindness, we have his favor. Let's not forget that. This is the fifth month and God's grace and his kindness, his grace, it manifests every morning when we awaken. We have new grace. We have new mercy each morning when we awaken. But God is going to begin to show you. Your eyes are going to begin to perceive his kindness, his kind. We don't often consider his kindness. We don't often consider his outpouring. We don't often pay attention to God's favor, to his favor. See, sometimes favor is better than money. Favor will take you farther sometimes than cash will. Favor will get you more than money can, more than cash can. So you have to begin to request of God that he open your eyes to the favor that he set before you because he has set 
favor before you this day. He has set his kindness before you this day. There are doors that are opening that no man can shut simply because of God's favor towards us, simply because he wants to extend his kindness toward us. All we have to do is agree. All we have to do is believe that we have this and he will begin to open the eyes of our discernment so that we can see it clearly. That which he's already done. That which he's already done. Go to Acts 1. Let's go to Acts 1. Back in the month of April, we talked about God releasing us and you can go now. Then he gave us exit expectations. He told us what he was expecting of us and what we should expect of him. Then he began to show us that we can leave our problems, our experiences behind, but take the lessons with us. Why? Because our experiences were necessary to solidify us in him. So we understand the promises above us, the promises in us, and the promises underneath us. And then from there, he began to tell us, you need to prepare for the possession of the promise. You need to prepare to receive it and prepare, knowing, pack your bags, pack, we learned that scripture, pack your bags, pack your victuals. You pack, Joshua told the people, you pack what you're going to need for this journey. And that includes all the lessons that you learned. It's not always the material thing that we pack, but sometimes we forget to pack the lessons that we've learned. And we understand that if we don't remember the lessons that we've learned, we're only going to read repeat them. So we need to make sure that we are clear on whence we came. We need to be clear that we're sure of our own history. See, because if we're not clear of where we came from, we're not clear of our own history. If we're not clear on what God has brought us through that establishes us, then we'll be easily moved when the shaking comes. We'll be easily pushed aside when the confrontations come, even though God has promised that he will fight for us. Even though God has told us that no one shall stand before us, we understand that there's still a battle because we must clear out the land. There will still be a battle, but God told us that we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear what, what, what's waiting on us, the battles that are waiting on us, the land that he's promised us. As Joshua told the people, you prepare to fight the land that God has given you. You move out. You move out what may be possessing the land, holding that territory. You move it out because now you are here and you are here to take over. You're here to take over. Let's go again. Acts 1 and I am at verse 12. And verse 12 says in the Amplified Version, then the disciples, they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. Olive Grove is in parentheses. And olives, we know, represents peace and it represents friendship. And it says, um, which is near Jerusalem, only a Sabbath day's journey, less than one mile away, they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet. Now, that I want to focus right now on that piece where it says the disciples returned to Jerusalem because this is significant because remember we left off at one point where the disciples Jesus had come back and Jesus had um 
come back in between. Remember, I talked about this, his place of dissension and ascension. He had come back before he, us, after he had descended, but before he had ascended, he stopped in to visit them. But one thing he had to do was remind them of everything that he taught them. He had to remind them of things, lessons that he taught them when he was with them. And as Jesus began to talk to them, um, and, and after he finished talking to them, he then ascended into heaven. And when he ascended, remember, the disciples were standing there staring and gazing up, and the angels had to come and tell them, why are you standing here staring? Get a move on. You got to get moving until the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You're going to receive that gift, but you can't stand here. You need to still get moving because Christ is going to return the same way that he ascended. He's going to return. And so we see here that they returned to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is it means in the um, in the Greek I'm in it means set ye double peace. And Jerusalem here um, is 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 talking about now and its present religious institutions. But the part that I focused on was the part that they're talking about where the scholars believe that they're focusing on the mosaic system. The mosaic system. Jerusalem can also be referred to as the mosaic system. And this is from its external location, so where it's located. And so you have to note here that the mosaic law or the mosaic system, it had 365 negative commands, but 248 positive commands for a total of 613. And these commands, they were divided into three parts and they address the moral, the social, and the ceremonial part of life as an Israelite. So this is when um, these, these are located and all of these instructions are the ones that they receive. Some of them are the ones that they receive that God gave to Moses. And these are found in Genesis. They're found in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It totals all of them. All of the instructions that God gave to his people start at um, Genesis and they start and they are totaling 613 commands. 600 of the Mosaic system. It contains 613 commands that address moral, social, and ceremonial Remember that moral, social, and ceremonial. Now, why do I bring this up or why am I focusing on this? I'm focusing on this because it took my mind back to Joshua 1 and 7. And it took my mind back to the scripture that when uh, after the death of Moses and the instructions that God gave Joshua directly when he told him to be strong and to be courageous. And he told him to be careful to obey all the law, all the law that my servant Moses gave you. And he said, don't turn to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go, wherever you go. So don't turn from the foundation that I've established that was taught to you because it's going to make sure that you're successful wherever you go. Now, God never told Joshua, you can't grow 
from that foundation, but he reminded him that you don't have to start all over again. You have a foundation, a godly foundation that consists of over 613 commands that I've given to instruct you morally, socially, and in ceremony. And he said to him, you know, and he's telling him this because he wanted to remind him, like I said, you don't have to start from scratch just because you're going to a new promise. You take this with you because it's your foundation to build upon. Now, we got to remember here that this Joshua was the same Joshua who at 19, Moses sent with 11 other people who at 19 years age, 19 years of age, scholars believe, Moses sent him with 17, uh, 11 other people to go and spy out the promised land. So in, in this particular instance, this is the same Joshua that also served Moses. So he is familiar, very familiar, up close and familiar with the Mosaic system, the Mosaic laws, because he was there when Moses received them. He was growing into them as Moses received them. So every stage, every stage when those laws were received from God, he was a part of the, of the implementation. He watched Moses implement them. He implement these rules, implement what God gave him to, Mosaic system, what God gave Moses. He watched as Moses implemented it. He watched as the people resisted. He watched as some obeyed and some resisted. So he was there for it all. He was there when the Israelites rebelled against God. When God gave this to Moses, he was there when Israel disobeyed the ceremonial practices that were handed to them by God. And this is relevant to us. This is relevant to us because it helps us to understand Joshua's foundation, and it helps us to understand God's instructing him not to leave it behind. And it's the same instruction that God, guess what, gives us today. It's the exact same instruction that God gives us today, that as we move into the promised land, we cannot leave behind God's guidance. We can't leave behind it. Why? Because it was important. Important. It's important. See, God gave us guidance through all of our experience. For those of us who have walked with leadership and members of churches, there were lessons that your leaders, your pastors, your uh, bishops, your apostles, there are lessons that not only you have learned from your experience, but as you were going through those experiences, your leaders guided you. They gave you wisdom. They gave you wisdom to apply to that experience so that you gain a better understanding. And we can't leave that understanding behind. We can't leave the why, because that's a gift from God. That is a gift from God and it teaches us and it's there for us, for us to govern, for us to be able to govern our lives morally, socially and ceremonially, and they cannot be left behind. Lest we leave behind our morals, lest we leave behind our social standing, lest we leave behind the ceremonial instructions, meaning how we handle what is God's. 
lest we leave it all behind. See, I know that this is true because in Acts 2, when Peter stood among them, like once everyone had gathered, and I'm summarizing this for you, at the day of Pentecost, at the day of Pentecost, and through a sermon, he explained what? Prophet Joel. He explained what was happening using Prophet Joel, using his foundation using his foundation. And then he elaborated on what happened, like uh, as far as Jesus' conviction and his crucifixion to move the people from rebellion where signs and wonders could take place. He used his foundation. He used his foundational understanding, his foundational understanding to lead the people of God to from, from rebellion to repentance, and then signs and wonders were able to take place. This tells me that if we are going to effectively open the eyes of the unbeliever in the promised land and move them from rebellion to repentance, we must be able to regurgitate our spiritual history we must be able to regurgitate our foundation. No, we don't have to get into the details of our experiences, but the lessons that we've learned from those experiences and the wisdom that we applied that was given to us through our great leaders. There are some great leaders. You know, I have one of them. You may have one of them. There are some great leaders. We can't leave that behind. Why? Because it's those experiences. It's that foundation that we going to that we're going to use to move the people that God have birthed for his purpose from rebellion to repentance from rebellion to repentance you see we cannot be just new testament christians we can't do it in other words we can't be those that put aside what what the the laws the foundation that God has established through Moses through the Israelites as they walked around the mountain some near 40 years we can't ignore that part of our history we can't ignore that why because that's the foundation that our experiences are built on that's the foundation that our leaders have provided us wisdom on and provided us guidance on so we what we're doing is we taking the foundation that Christ had created the foundation that was established and we're building on that with our experiences, with the wisdom that has been applied, that we've learned from our leadership. See, the foundational principles are, as God instructed Joshua, you don't leave them behind, but you use them as, as the ground that you stand on, that cemented ground that you're standing on, and you build, you build up from there, and you're building up from there because you're building the and you're using that experience to build the people up from that foundation to God from that foundation to God. See, we can't go into the promised land with, with uh, uh, put aside that foundation. And all we want to talk about is us and our experiences and how we were hurt. And we leave out any, any wisdom that our leadership has given us. We leave all that out. We just go in strictly with us, 
strictly with us. That is not the word that's going to deliver the people and move them from rebellion to repentance. While it might help them to understand you, God's word is the word that does not return back void. Yours can come back void. It can come back just as empty as it was when you opened your mouth and said it. See, because it's without God's foundation, your word are your words are not established. They're not established. You need the foundation of Christ. Be, and then you take that foundation and then you your experience aligns with the foundational principles that Christ has taught you when he taught you how to live, when he taught you um, the three uh, divisional things that I brought up when I said that that moral, socially and ceremonially, how to handle God, your experiences are going to align. They're going to align with the foundation that is Christ. There is nothing that you have learned morally or socially or in, in means of how to handle the things of God that are not going to point back to the original foundation of Christ that has been set. Everything is going to align back and is building from there. Again, it's building from there like steps and you're getting the people closer and closer to God, which brings me to a sidebar. We have to be willing all these years. If you haven't been willing to, then maybe you're not moving just yet because you have to be willing to allow God to take you through those experiences. You have to be willing because you need you need an example. You need a reference point. OK, that's nice that you can regurgitate the word of God, but it's not so great when you have no experience to align with it. Your words become hollow. You can't talk about something that you've not experienced. You just can't talk. We're going to get into that just a little bit here. Go in Acts 2. Remember I said when Peter went to the, um, when, the, when there was the day of Pentecost, and I talked about how he used the prophet Joel and to explain what was happening and how he used Jesus's conviction and crucifixion to move the people from rebellion to, um, to repentance. Um, and I also mentioned that we cannot be strictly New Testament Christians, and I'm referring here to Matthew 5. And Matthew 5 to me provides me like a really good example because Matthew 5 and 17 says that do not think that I came to do away with, and I'm in the Amplified Version, or undo, or undo the law of Moses. So Christ is telling us right there, I didn't come I didn't come to do away with the law or the writings of the prophet. I did not come to destroy it, but fulfill it. I did not come to destroy the mosaic, mosaic, mosaic system, the mosaic laws that were handed down to him that had been established as your foundation. I didn't come to dismiss the writings of the prophets. This is why Peter was able to refer to Joel. He was talking about Joel and then he came to Christ. See, he didn't come. He says, Christ said, I didn't come to throw that all away. I came to fulfill it. I came to make it ever present. I came to make it touchable and tangible to you. And verse 18 says, 
For I assure you and most solemnly say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of the pen will pass from the law, meaning it won't be erased until all things which it foreshadows are accomplished, until all things that the law represents are accomplished. And I, I I got drawn to that verse because it told the way I interpreted it, the way I received it from God when I read it, heaven and earth are not going to pass away. Heaven and earth will not pass away. Not the smallest letter or stroke of a pen will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Meaning until I've experienced it, until I comprehend it, until I understand it, it's not going to pass away. For those whom he's called for his purpose, this is the foundation that, that they will stand upon, which is the same foundation that we stand upon. And that will not pass away until we understand Christ, until we recognize Christ, until we've experienced Christ, until we can properly interpret and represent him and have him be integrated in our very core in our in the very core of our words not until then not until then will heaven and earth pass away see Christ is coming back for those who are his but for those to 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 know that they are his there must be a foundation that's established and that foundation must be verified through their experience and their experience must generate an understanding and their understanding must 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 provoke and all and a love and an acceptance of Christ that permeates their belief, that permeates their belief. Verse 19 says, so whoever breaks one of the least, and this is important, of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least important in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever practices and teaches them, he will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So you want to skip the foundational principles of God and you want to skip the experiences of God because you want to develop your own experiences. See, because the foundational principles that God has established doesn't help you pay your bills, doesn't help you convince the people to give so that you can continue to afford your mansion while they're on the bus. You want to adjust and interject you into the foundation that Christ has already established because without you interjecting you, the people will have no empathy for you. Is that what we're doing? We're, we're manipulating the foundation of Christ so that our own needs can be provided because we don't believe that Christ will provide for us. Well, the, the word here tells us that if you if you do that and you teach others that same manipulation, you're going to be the least in the kingdom of heaven. You will be the least. But if you're that person that tells the truth of God at all costs, 
because you know that God is the God that supplies your needs. He is the God that provides for you. Me may provide for you through the people of God, but if you tell them the truth and they reject the truth and walk away, God will send in another that will accept it, that will make up and that will uh, that will allow him to provide for you through them. You, you accept the fact, you believe God, you believe his promises, you believe in his provision, then you are going to be great in the kingdom of God. See, teaching, teaching others is, is not just in words. And this is something that we have to grasp. Teaching God, teaching others is not just in word, but it's also in actions. It's in choices. It's in decisions. We have to understand our influence. We must understand our influence. See, our influence is not all in words. Sometimes our influence is in our presentation. It's in our actions because that's what people see. A lot of times before they hear us, they see us. They are watching us. So it's in your actions. And for it, for your actions to show God's presence, then that means your decisions, what's happening on the inside, your decisions on the inside will affect and effect your actions on the outside. Verse 20 says, for I say to you that unless your righteousness, uprightness, it says in the Amplified Version, moral essence is more than that of scribes, clerks whose functions, and this is a scribe, clerks whose functions was to copy um, royal and sacred manuscripts. And then it says, and the Pharisees, and that was a political group in the New Testament. They advocated for religious views. And it says, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So if your goal is just simply to, to write, the sacred manuscripts. If your if your goal is simply just to jot down the things that God requires and never actually live them, or if your goal is to to advocate for religious practices that do not promote God, that as that in that in fact push God out for the practice push God out for the religious exercise, then you will never enter the kingdom of God. You will be here with your, you will be in hell with your script and with your religious views. You will be in hell with your script and your religious practices. This is what the word of God is telling us. And the, it, it, listen, for an example, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24. 23 says, all things are lawful. Amplified version, in parentheses, it says that is morally legitimate, permissible, but not all things are beneficial or advantageous. All things are lawful, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to spiritual life. Verse 24 says, let no one seek only his own good, but also that of the other person. So if everything you do is towards uh, edifying and building you up. We we yet we yet don't have an understanding that although I can although or let me go this way, if ever if everything you do you do it just because you can and you never give much thought to who's watching. See we have we have liberty in Christ. 
We have liberty in Christ. But just because we have that liberty, it doesn't make it, or just because I can make that choice doesn't mean that that's the choice that I should make. Just because I can do something, it doesn't mean that that's the thing that I should do. I need to make sure that what I'm doing is constructive to my character and is edifying to my spiritual life. Why? Because I don't want to become a stumbling block to someone else with my choices. In its most simplest form, if I'm sitting at a table with you and you are a vegan, I'm not going to sit there and you're a new vegan and you have to do it for health reasons. I'm not going to sit there and 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 have a whole steak when I know steak is your favorite. And for health reasons, you cannot have steak. So why would I sit there and just torture you like that for your sake, for your sake? I wouldn't do that because for health reasons, you need to go to a vegan menu. So I'm going to have vegetables because that I don't want to tempt you to do beyond what you're what you can actually handle, what you can actually handle. See, everybody, we have we do a lot of things and we say a lot of things because we can, because we have the power to, but we have to give consideration to the listener. I often say, uh, I often would say to my children when, when things would happen or to my husband when things would happen, that that you have to remember what you're saying, it is in, it is interpreted by the listener. It's not interpreted by you. So you have to be clear on what you're saying because it's up to the listener to interpret it. And sometimes based on their state of mind, they may not interpret it the way you intended. They may not interpret it the way you intended. So you got to be clear. You have to be clear on your execution to make sure that the listener is clear on what you're saying because you don't want to present a stumbling block to a person. You don't want to put another person in offense. You don't want to do that. First Corinthians 8 9, another example, only be careful that this liberty of yours, Amplified Version, this power to choose does not somehow become a stumbling block. That is a temptation to sin to the weak and conscious. Everybody, and this is something my leader always gets me on, everybody does not always understand everything the way you understand it. They don't even always feel the way you feel about it. When I was younger, it was something that my parents had to teach me. I thought that everyone could do everything. So if I were singing and I were teaching the choir, I would get upset when people couldn't hold the note. And my mother would constantly get on me, everybody doesn't sing. And I didn't, I didn't understand, like, of course everyone sings. Of course everyone can play the piano. Of course, I of course you can. Because I didn't know that everyone, God gives us each specific talents and gifts. So I didn't realize that everyone couldn't do it. And I would get frustrated. And she'd be like, Maria, everyone doesn't sing. So you have to slow down when you're teaching and you have to make sure that they can hear one another so that they can align to the to whatever note it is that you may be teaching. But it took me a while to understand it because I was young. 
I was 11 and 12 doing this and I didn't understand everything. And some of us in the spirit are 11 and 12. And we don't understand that every everyone doesn't understand everything the way we understand everything. Everyone hasn't had the experience that you had to come to the revelation that you now have. So you have to be patient with people because should you become a stumbling block to them, God is going to hold you accountable for that. He's going to hold you accountable that you go into this promised land and you build hills that people can't people can't cross over. Or you build um, like the little speed bumps that people tripping over because you're making everything. You're making God so difficult and you're making God untouchable. We want to make God touchable to the people of God. You see, Peter, he was able to lead the listeners to repentance and then even to healing in Acts 3 because it, it he, he understood the purpose of first giving them the foundation, of first telling them what God has to say about the matter, what God what is written that God has said about the matter. And then he began to expound on it with, with his experience. Like in Acts 1, the first thing that happens is they return to Jerusalem, right? And um, they're, they're right when they return to Jerusalem, they're not forsaking their foundation. They went back to their foundation. And, with, and, and then the Bible says in Acts 1, they went with one mind. They were, they had one mind in Acts 1, it says they had one purpose, one mind, one purpose, and they stayed in prayer. So they had, they went back to their foundation with one mind, one purpose, and they stayed in prayer. All, all of this for Pete, for Peter to be able to stand up in Acts 1 and reiterate the foundation. Now, this time when he reiterated the foundation, he talked about the fulfilled scripture of David, the king of Israel. And I'm talking in Acts 1 and I'm summarizing. And he gave the example of Judas. So he gave an example of what happens when we obey God and what happens when we don't? And he fulfilled, and he talked about, and then, okay, let me slow down a little bit. And then he went back to prayer for these listeners, for his listeners in the upper room. And when he did that, when he gave them that foundation and he gave it to them in the form of examples, he was able to take them back to prayer and then they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's power in the foundation. That's Acts 1. He brought everyone back to one mind with one purpose for all to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 2, he ended up standing up again and he spoke once again to the foundational truths. He reminded them of Jesus Christ, his life, his conviction and his crucifixion and his death. And then guess what happened when he talked about that? He went back to the foundation. That foundation led the people to repentance, which led to wonders and signs. And then in chapter three, he, it led to healing. 
It led to healing. See, this is all on the foundation. He simply spoke to the foundation. He spoke to what he knew. He spoke to Joel. He spoke to David. He spoke to Christ's uh, conviction and his crucifixion. He spoke to these things. And this led the people to receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. It led the people a second time to repentance then signs and wonders. In chapter three, it led to healing. You see where I'm going with this? The foundational principles only progress and expand the understanding of God's people, God's chosen people, to receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, to, to repentance from rebellion, to um, signs and wonders, and to healing. It's a system it's a system, a mosaic system, a foundational system that begins with God, what God handed down to Moses. It's foundational. It's foundational. And it's expanded upon. It's expanded upon by the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And it's shared through the gifts that Christ gave the body when he descended and he gave ascended and gave gifts to men. It's solidified. It's solidified through the character of those gifts. Repeat, I'm repeating the foundational principles, the foundational principles that God is commanding Joshua not to leave behind are the same foundational principles that he is commanding us today, that as we move into the promise, that we not leave them behind. Why? Because it is those foundational principles that he builds our experiences on. Our experiences align with those principles, those moral, those social, those ceremonial laws that he has established. Our experiences solidify that foundation. And when they're shared, when they're shared, Peter shows us through example, when they're shared, as he shared, when he initially stood up and he spoke about David and when he spoke about Judas, that led to folks receiving the Holy Spirit. When he spoke the second time and he reminded them about Christ's conviction and Christ's crucifixion, he brought the people to a point of repentance. Once they repented, wonders and signs could happen. And then in chapter three of Acts, healing could now happen. It's all in the foundation. And if those foundational principles with our experiences are solidified in our character, now we can open our mouth and speak God's foundational principles. And we men and women can be brought to Christ. See, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. It's a system where we are Really, when we stand and, and declare the works of God, we, we stand in the foundation of God. We align our experience to the foundation to point the people back to God. Those same people receive the Holy Spirit, are brought to repentance. Signs and wonders and healing can now happen. So how come signs and wonders and healing have not been happening. 
How come they have not been happening? Well, part of the reason we know that they have not been happening when God shut everything down because these things were not happening because the men and the women of God who had um, ownership of the pulpit, they indeed had left the foundation. And because they left the foundation of Christ, they missed bypass the experiences that would align them morally, socially, and ceremonially to what God had already established. And without those experiences, they operated unmoral with no morals, they operated with no with no character, and they operated outside of the ceremonies of God. And we know the ceremonies of God, one of those, some of those ceremonies have spe uh, specifics as to what can be altered, what can be offered at the altar, what can be offered at the altar. So what ends up happening is you're offering you, you because you left the foundation of Christ and because you don't have the experiences that have aligned you morally, socially, and ceremonially, now you're offering tainted sacrifices and strange Fire is coming up to God and it stinks in his nostril. Now, because of all of that, we no longer have a people that turn from rebellion to repentance. We no longer see signs and wonders. People are no longer operating under the unction of the Holy Spirit. So we got false tongues and they are and healing is no longer happening in the body of Christ. So we have a sick people. So we have a sick people. And what God is saying to us through this word today is that he is realigning us and making sure that as we pack for possession of the promise that we do not leave behind the foundational scripts. Don't leave behind what was scribed foundationally in our hearts. Don't leave that behind or we will recreate what we just what we just were delivered from where he hand walked us out of where the prison like like when peter was escorted out by way of the saints pray prayers by the angels when peter was escorted out by those angels we in fact would be in the same predicament where we where he where christ himself escorted us from the prisons the pulpit imprisonment imprisonments that we were in when he delivered us from the pulpit imprisonments that we were in, we will in fact reshape, rebuild the bars, rebuild the, the walls of the prison and put ourselves right back in it again. If we forsake the foundational principles. See, because without the foundational principles, we can't have the experiences. Why? Because the experiences cannot align. They cannot align. Or how about this? You have them, but now they align to the enemy, which might explain the corrupt pulpit, which might explain the pits in front of the pulpits separating the uh, people from the pulpit, where God had to literally deliver the people from 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 the tainted and the and the the uh, the the I can't think of a good word for the 
hmm, the the pulpit, the corrupt pulpit, what God literally had to deliver us from. See, he's walked us out of that prison. But if we leave our foundational principles behind, then we indeed will recraft those bars and recraft those walls and we'll walk right back in to that same prison. See, the sharing and the resharing of God, it begins with the solid foundation that God has established and Jesus Christ has solidified. And it's, and it's what the word of God stands on. But the word of God also is shown through our character. It leads to the progression. It leads to the growth, the repentance, the healing of those whom Christ has called. So what I'm talking about today is not a solid foundation, but I am talking to you today, this title, the solid foundation. I'm talking to you about the, see, anyone can establish a solid. There are many foundations. We've learned that in the past year. There are folks who have built their own foundation. I'm not talking about a foundation. I'm talking to you today about the foundation. This is about how standing on the foundation can change lives, can 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 promote the progression and execution effects and effects. Helps us to understand how we effect and affect the people of God, how we effect and affect the lives of God's people. We cannot leave behind the foundation. We've already, and most of us under the sound of my voice, we recognize, we are clear now, and I know you're clear because God has walked you through it this past year. So you're clear on what a corrupt foundation looks like. You're clear on what a corrupt pulpit looks like. And God has walked you out of that prison. You are not to go back and rebuild it yet again, yet again. Not in this promised land, not in this promised land. You are now to walk in the victory that God has assigned to your life. And it is that victory through that character, through that experience, through that foundation that you will share Christ. And men and women of God will turn from rebellion to repentance. They will receive the Holy Spirit. They, you will see signs and wonders again. You will see healing again. You will see it again. I decree and I declare that healing has come back to the church of God. Healing, wonders, and signs, repentance has come back to God's people. Repentance has revealed itself once again. Why? Because the foundation now is established and repentance has a place to rest and the Holy Spirit has a place to rest and signs and wonders have a place to rest and healing has a place to rest. Uh-huh. Healing has a place to rest and your heart now has a place to rest and peace has a place to rest and a clear mind has a place to rest. No more will you be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Why? Because the wind has been captured and shut down. No more, no more waving in the wind of false doctrine. No more waving in the wind of false hopes. 
For we walk in the hope of the true and the living God that's anchored in the very foundation of God himself. Of God himself. God has done a miraculous work in all of us in this year. And he is commanding that we stand not just in it, but on it. Stand on that foundation today. You're clear on what that foundation is. You're clear on what it looks like. Let's not return to the days of old. To the days of old. Lest we be entrapped in our own deception. Come on, people of God. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up. Now is not the time to go to sleep. Now is not the time to relax. We have a work to do. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up, wake up. People of God, there is nothing. If you're under the sound of my voice, I'm telling you today, there is nothing that you have not done. There is nothing that you have done, I should say, that God has not already forgiven you for. Now you forgive yourself and let's get about this business that is God's. Let's get about, let's get about sharing what God has taught us and how God has kept us through even a pandemic, through even the imprisonment of the pulpit. How God has brought us out and walked us out of that, that tainted prison. How he's walked us out the prison of lies, the prison of deception. Let's move forward in God today. Let's move forward in God today. Let's pray, God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you today, God. We thank you that you've kept us. We thank you for the foundation that we stand upon. We thank you, oh God, that even though times got rough and even we hazarded to our own health, our own state of mind, you kept us. You kept us through everything. You kept us through everything. When the enemy came in like a flood, God, you raised up a standard and you had a stand on that standard so that we were raised up, God, and so that the flood did not suffocate us and so that we did not drown in the sorrows, the sorrows that the enemy tried to put upon us, oh God. But you kept us, God, and you caused us to stand in liberties. You caused us to stand with a right mind. You cause us to stand with our heart still fixed on your promises, with our heart still fixed in your ways. God, you've kept us. You established us in your rules. You established us morally, socially, ceremonially. You taught us how to bring you the correct sacrifice, God. You taught us how to build the altar, God. You taught us how to rebuild the altar. You taught us, oh God, how to rebuild the sanctuary in your likeness and in your image, a place where you can dwell, where you can live, God, where your worship can live, God, where your holiness can be honored, God. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And we know, God, that no matter what we face, you alone are our defender. You alone are our keeper. You alone will fight our battles. We only need to stand. No matter what the enemy presents, no matter what he tries to consume us with, we are not in his hands. We stand on your foundation and the enemy cannot touch us there. 
So we reach for you the more, God. We reach for you not only in our hearts, but we call our minds to consume you. We cause our minds to understand you. We cause our hearts, oh God, to align with your heart. We cause our mouths to align with your mouth so that we speak into existence in this earth realm, your kingdom come and your will to be done, God. In the name of Jesus, oh God, we call forth angelic help, oh God, to lift us above, above God, above God, above Above God, not beneath, oh God, to carry us on your very wings. In the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord God, we thank you, oh God, that you are our defense. I can't get that out of my spirit. You are our defense. People of God, God is your defense. You do not have to defend. He is your attorney. He is your attorney. He will defend you. Let the mockers come. Let the haters come. God said, I am your defense. God, we thank you that you are our defense. We thank you that you are the defender of our mind. And God, right now, I command your blood-covered hedge of protection to be around the ear gates of the people of God. I command your blood-covered hedge of protection to engulf the people of God in the name of Jesus. I pray for leaders right now in the name of Jesus. God, that you will raise them up above the people and that you will hold them in the comfort of your bosom, God. In the name of Jesus, I speak peace to their minds in the name of Jesus. Above every situation and circumstance that may present itself, God, I thank you, oh God, for the harvest, but God, I, I, I thank you for the laborers, but God, I, I ask you to just Hold your leaders, God. Don't let them be consumed with the worries and the cares, God, in the name of Jesus. But help them, God, to entrust the people of God to the true and the living God in the name of Jesus, God. And I command the people of God to stand up in maturity. And I command the people of God to begin to consume the word of God, the meat of God, and to grow thereby in the name of Jesus. I command you not to, not to, not to reach for the formula, to reach for the bottles. I command you to consume the meat of the word of God. I command your teeth to be strong and to digest. I command your digestive system to begin to digest the word of God and cause it to go to the parts of the body that is needed. And I thank you, God, that your people that you have chosen will rise up this day, oh God, and receive their assignment and begin to walk worthy of the vocation wherein they are called God. I send you, God, I send you, God, to the continents, to across the world, God, in the name of Jesus. Bless your leaders, God. Strengthen your leaders. Strengthen the minds of your leaders. Strengthen your leaders, God. Strengthen their hands for the work that's ahead. Strengthen their hands for the building that's ahead. Strengthen your leaders. I pray for your leaders. Strengthen them today, God. Consume them. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, strengthen your leaders today. Strengthen them, strengthen them, strengthen them, strengthen them. 
Strengthen them, strengthen them far and wide. To my left, to my right. Strengthen them, engulf them. Put your arms around them. Let them feel your love right now, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus. Strengthen their spouses for the work to be done. Strengthen their children for the work to be done, God. Strengthen them, God, as they comfort them and go with them to be that listening ear, to be that strength, to be that person that holds them. Strengthen, 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 strengthen their spouses, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord God. Bless and keep them. Bless and keep them. Meet all their needs. Meet all their needs, God, so they have no worries and no cares. Meet all their needs. Meet all their needs, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. 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 People of God, if you're under the sound of my voice, if you're under the sound of my voice, I'm praying for you daily. I'm praying for you daily. I don't have to know your name. I know your spirit. And I'm praying for you daily. I'm praying for you daily. And I command you now to not give up. I command you now to not walk away. We are here now. We are here now. We are here now. There's a work to be done. You cannot give up. You will not forfeit. God has sent. God has sent those who will hold up your arm. God has sent those who will hold up your arms. You cannot give up. Not in this place. Not right now. I command you not to walk away. And I speak strength to your legs. I speak strength to you. I speak strength to you. You will stand. You will stand. You will stand. I speak strength to you. I speak strength to you. You will stand. You will stand. Do not give up and do not let go. This is the command of the Lord. This is the command of the Lord. This is the will of the Lord for your life, for your life, for your life. Join me on next Monday at 7 p.m. Thank you so much for being with me today. I appreciate you. And I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your children. I'm praying for my ch your children's children. I'm praying for you. My younger generation, I'm praying for you. God is going to raise you up and do season. And do season. Wait on him. Wait on him. And don't throw away your foundation. Don't disregard your foundation. The enemy will have you to disregard your foundation. The wisdom that lies in senior saints. Do not disregard your foundation for you will fall without it. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Don't let go. 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 I'm speaking to you. Don't let go. I see you. I see you about to let go. Don't 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 let go, Pastor. Don't let go, Pastor. Don't let go, Teacher. Don't let go, Evangelist. Don't let go. They hear you. Don't let go. Don't let go. Don't let go. Don't let go. Don't let go.